And yeah, am I even allowed to talk about that? (laughs) (laughs) We still haven't gotten into P&V. Hi, I'm Rachel Handler, and welcome to Lady Problems, where every Thursday, me and a rotating crew of ladies look at the way that pop culture is treating women in a given week. It's almost always terribly. This week, we've got a very special sexisode for you. Hazel Sills is here. Hi, Hazel. Hi. And we are co-hosting along with Sybil Lockhart, who is the lead researcher at Oh My God Yes, which is a new site that works to demystify women's sexuality through new research, openness, and technology. To her about how the site got started, who it's for, how they found so many brave, real women willing to talk about and literally expose their sexuality on camera. And then we'll talk about the way that women's sexuality is depicted or not in Hollywood, why that's a problem for women trying to learn about how to have an actual orgasm in real life. So, Sybil, we're very excited to have you. Can you explain to us and to our listeners what Oh My God Yes is exactly? Oh My God, Yes is a collection of really wonderful people who um, are on a mission to blow the taboo off of talking about women's sexual pleasure. Um, And it's um, two things. It's a a research, um, and it's a site, a resource for women and men to go to to hear real people talking about um, their insights into sexual pleasure. So tell us a little bit about the people that, that started the site and, and why they started it and how you got involved. Yeah, I was, um, I'm the newest person on the team. So I wasn't around when um, Rob and Lydia uh, had the, this conversation. But the way I understand it is that they were sitting in a room full of people, probably with a bottle of wine or something, and, uh, you know, friends talking, and they got into this conversation about um, orgasms and what what works um, coming into an orgasm to keep doing the same thing consistently or um, or not. And, and the the way I understand, I mean, I may be totally mistelling this story because I wasn't there, but the way I understand it is the room was divided, and they started to think about, um, you know, the fact that we don't talk about these things. We don't actually know what percentage of women like one thing versus another, and and there's so much um, popular culture and and uh, gives us one thing, and the medical. Um, establishment gives us another, but we never have that, okay, real women saying, this is what's great. This is, and, and weirdly, real women, at least a lot of us don't have that conversation with each other even mm-hmm. in, in intimate detail. And so um, they set out on a mission to f- sort of explore, well, what, what is it? Like, what are the statistics and what what do people women have to say about this and can we get people to just talk about it really frankly and um, in this warm wonderful open way um so what exactly is your job and role at oh my god yes 
Yes, I have the best job in the world. <laughs> I get to fit really, I mean, I, I feel so spoiled. It's amazing that they pay me to do this work. I get to interview, a Skype or a FaceTime interview women from all over the nation about what feels good. Like I, I can spend all day just talking to women about what works for them. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rachel. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, me and Rachel, like, watched a, a bunch of the videos, and, and we clicked around the site. And um, I'm, I'm curious who the audience is for Oh My God, Yes. Do you think it's it's just women, or do you think it's something that, you know, men could also look at with their partners? Totally. It's my understanding that it's about 50-50, that Men go there, women go there, and I know for a fact that men and women go there together as couples to, like, explore, and they might, like, try something out each week. I've heard that story, and, um, yeah, so every it's for everybody. It's definitely for women and their partners, male or female. Yeah. I, I know I went on it with my boyfriend. I don't know about you, Hazel, but— because I was interested. I, and then I got kind of upset because I felt like he knew more than I did. And I was, like, pissed about it as a woman and a feminist. I was like, wait, how do you? He's like, yeah, oh, I know about that. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why don't I know about it? There's an aspect of it. I don't know if you want to, like, explain. I don't even know how to explain it. You, like, get a virtual woman off, but she's also a real woman. Yeah, you get to sort and of, you don't yeah. actually maybe get her all the way off. So it's a touchable as a touchscreen, you know, feature. And, and you know, when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, that's a little gimmicky. But <laughs> but basically a woman tells you, you know, here's a, a way that works for me. Um, um, for example, um, I, I like you to touch my clit in a way that is consistent for a while and then edging off to the edge for a little bit and then ramping up into more direct stimulation and then going away again. And so you can touch a vulva that is, it's a photographic vulva, but it has, it reacts when you, when you touch it, it kind of moves around as it would if you touched a real vulva with a, with a finger. And then she's telling you no faster or slower or, you know, um, not so, not so right on the, the button or whatever. <laughs> um, and, but it doesn't have that porny aspect of, of like, <gasps> you know, um, it's more like, no, here's what works and, and for me. And that's what I love about the site and about my job is that I'm talking to individual women and they're saying, you know, here's a great thing that works for me, which might be different than what I tried before. Yeah. I mean, for yeah. people, for listeners who maybe haven't uh, seen the site, uh, you have these really gorgeous interviews with uh, women where they're talking very specifically, you know, about what gets them off, whether it's, you know, the consistency or it's uh, surprise or touching them in a certain place. And I'm just curious, uh, how did you find these women to talk so frankly or even demonstrate um, uh, how the, these certain techniques? Uh, how did you find yeah. these women to interview? I had the same question. I, I was like, well, how can you find them? And then I thought about it like there are millions of women out there and some percentage are really okay with themselves and open and going to talk in this way. Um, and we reached out um, to thousands of women via Craigslist ads saying, you know, do you want to contribute to the 
to our wealth of wisdom here. Um, and so we, we selected for a population of very positive, you know, women who have a really good attitude about and a very open attitude. And then amongst the hundreds who responded, there were um, dozens who were um, also willing to do the showing aspect of it, which is one of the most stunning parts, I think, of the site, which is that, you know, women literally open their vulvas up to, um, to be, to be seen and <laughs> while they're touching themselves. How, I'm curious, I mean, the Craigslist thing too, like, how did you get these women to trust that, you know, that you would be, that this stuff would be in the right hands, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, women, when they call in, I mean, we're still doing this, we're doing a second round right now, and um, when they, when they do the survey, um, they can be anonymous or they can um, say they, they'd be interested in contributing more. Um, and they um, – how do we get them to – maybe it's the way the questions are asked. They're very detailed and not um, – and maybe – there's a link to the site. So, and when you go to the OMGS site, you can see a demonstration video um, that has one of – the wonderful people talking about herself in this way and it's maybe that's it i don't know (laughs) i think it's pretty amazing that people responded yeah we'll be back with more lady problems after this ad okay so can you tell us a little bit about how you in particular got into this type of research sure um i mean i have a crazy um, background in everything from teaching to neuroscience to um, writing. And uh, I was working at the Lawrence Hall of Science as a curriculum, a science curriculum developer. And one of my coworkers who left, we all had to leave because that work was rolling out and being handed over to a publisher. And one of my coworkers had a friend here. So um, she pulled me in and said, you're going to love these people. We're gonna, you know, and she wanted me to work next to her. That was Jen Arter, who is our sort of data um, cruncher person. She's the person who looks at everything and distills it down into some ideas that we can toss around with our collaborator at Indiana University. I think, given um, my background in in science and fields of communication, she thought I'd be a good match. And then what was – so you said you came in later. Were you involved in the actual research or did you come on after they did the study? I came on after they did the first study, but we're, we have another study underway. Oh, okay. So um, what's this one going to focus on? I think we, we thought we were going to be um, focused on things oral. But the way it evolves when you're talking to women and talking amongst ourselves in the office, it evolves more organically than that. I mean, we were curious, too, how you guys decided to start with really just, like, fingering. And there's no there's no real emphasis on anything phallic. There's no toys. I mean, it's just completely about women, com- go- like, getting uh, off by being fingered. So what, what made you start with that? We're very focused on on women, right? That's our primary concern is women's pleasure. And so uh, to start with penises involved would seem a little 
odd, you know, to but to start with how we pleasure ourselves and then work out from there seems like a more organic um, evolution to me. Yeah. So, but I, I wasn't around for that decision. Yeah. I mean, the site has so many layers to it once you sort of click on a specific technique. There's, you know, an intro right. video, there's a guide, there's an illustration, then there's a demonstration of a woman uh, applying the technique to herself. There really isn't a lot of room for ambiguity, and it's it's very, very specific, the language of the entire site. And I'm just curious if you could talk about, you know, building that process or or making these guides in a way that it, where it's it's very, very specific. I mean, that is actually a really important point about how specific it is, because what we're given by um, medical community is every woman is different, you know, and uh, and and that's kind of a cop out if you ask me. Like, yeah, every woman is different, but how are we different? And mm-hmm. I think that's a big em- emphasis on the site is how are we different and what works? You know, maybe if we're different, some people, for example, some some women really love to have a constant stimulus right before orgasm. And if you switch it up right before their orgasm, they can lose everything. It can just go to zero. Whereas other women, it's the opposite. They need you to switch it up or else they're going to lose interest, right? And that's a specific difference, right? But if we just say every woman is different, we don't catch that and we don't and we don't talk about it and we don't say, hey, have you tried this? It's really great. And I think that's what it's all about on the site. So the, and then the language, as far as the language goes, I mean, yeah, we tried, we try, what is going on there is that we're taking the language that women are using themselves. It's very important to us to preserve what they say in their own words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What struck me about the videos, too, is that none of it feels, you know, obviously doesn't feel like pornography at all, but it also doesn't even really necessarily feel like, quote unquote, sexy. Like it feels very sort of real and honest and it's moving. Like I was moved by a lot of the videos, but I didn't feel like it was there. were I, It felt so uniquely branded. I'm curious how you guys huh. branded sexuality in a way that didn't feel, you know, remotely exploitative or or, or porny. Yeah, it's very practical. And I think probably that derives from its genesis, the way that conversation evolved. It was just some friends in a room talking in an honest, open way, and that that um, gave way to a, a flood of information. And I think that's what it's all about is, like, if, if we have these conversations, the way— I, I always say the way you would with your best friend, but in all honesty, I have never had— these kinds of conversations that I'm having every day now, I had never had those kinds of co- conversations even with my best friends. Um, but I'll say now that I am doing that all day every day, I don't understand why I never did. And I think I hope when people come to the site that that's the feeling they get. It's like, oh, we can we can just say these things and you know nothing's stopping us and and it and we can get good information. You know, yeah, and I think a big part of that too, like we were talking about, is that you're giving them a language to use too. It's it's a very new way to talk about it, right? And in fact, we're generating new terms um, 
And part of what we're heading towards is crowdsourcing those terms. This idea of sort of unlocking women's pleasure um, can almost be sort of a cottage industry itself. Like there are expensive toys and even something as simple as like Cosmo magazines like sex tips. I mean, how right. do you make sure that you separate yourself from that? Or um, do you see yourself as an alternative to that way of thinking? Like if you follow these steps, women, you will finally orgasm. Yeah, absolutely. And we, I mean, we separate ourselves from that by being a true source of information, whereas those sex tips are generate, they're just ideas that somebody sitting in a room had. Um, I, they aren't uh, statistically significant. (laughs) (laughs) They aren't, you know, they're not actually, they're not data driven. And what we're doing is we're um, collecting information from these women who come who come on the site, you know, who, who answer our surveys are obviously a self-selected population who um, are very positive and have have um, some really interesting ideas. But then what we do is we take uh, questions that they help us generate and we give those to a nationally representative um, population. So um, the, that and that gives us the statistics on the site. So, yeah, the difference between a glossy magazine um, sex tips list and us is that we have actual information. It's not just generated in our heads. It's we're we're asking questions of real women um, about their real experience. Something that struck me while I was looking at the site, too, and this is because I'm probably just, like, super cynical, was that, like, this could fall into creepy, like, wrong hands. Like, how do you yes. how do you sort of avoid that population? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you do, although there is the fact that you have to pay um, $30 to $40 to actually to, to be on the site. So there's that wall. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't know if the creepy people would get off on this because <laughs> it's so not creepy. It isn't, and it do, it doesn't have that salacious feel to it. It really feels like you're just talking to a person and you're getting practical information, and it's really sweet. Like you said, it's it's quite touching at times, but it isn't like I don't know, bodice ripping, hot and heavy. You know, yeah. It just doesn't have that feel to it. So I think that's a big um, – a, a lot of those people will just not be interested. Hmm. Yeah. I know I have the same thought, and it's possible that somebody does use it that way. But in a way, it's like if that creepy person is using our site, maybe they'll pick up something. You know, maybe they'll pick up something good. That's hmm. my my optimistic thought. Maybe they'll be like, oh, actually, you know – It'd be nice to do things in a nice way and not in a creepy way. Right. Like women know. are people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Women are people. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope. More lady problems after this break. We want to talk about you guys on your site, you specifically address the Hollywood problem. Um, right. Could you explain that a little more in depth for, for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, to me, the Hollywood problem is an idea that I have in my head. I absolutely have it, which is that um, sex, if I take the typical Hollywood moment, 
is me and some man, and I know him or don't know him. We're coming in. It's dark. We're coming into my apartment. And then uh, as soon as the door shuts, we are ripping each other's clothes off. <laughs> and within a less than 20 seconds, he has me up against the wall or on the kitchen counter. Then penetration immediately happens. <laughs> and we simultaneously <laughs> orgasm. And then it switches to the next scene. And that's how sex happens in Hollywood. I mean, that's not across the board. Obviously, we have some beautiful examples of movies where that doesn't happen. But that's that's the norm. Um, and I think that's really damaging. If I think that that's that I'm going to get pleasure that way, it's you know, no, I don't think that's actually going to happen. Yeah, it is. I mean, as someone who grew up watching movies and now write about them, I definitely felt like I had a really – the only reason I didn't have a completely messed up uh, envisioning of sex is because I had a mom in, in sexual health. But otherwise, I would have just been completely confused. Like I think and – I, and I know that a lot of my friends were too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what are your – do you have sort of examples in mind of, of movies that do, that do a particularly poor job of depicting women's sexual pleasure? It's funny, you know, you, you asked, you, you said that in an email, and I was like, I can't think of a specific example of a really bad job. But I do remember, I mean, then that, I just told you what I have in my head. It's from so many repetitions of that kind of scene in an alley or, you know, coming home to the apartment. It just happens time and time again. But I do remember a specific time when um, a movie just ripped that out of my head. It was an old movie. Um, I think it's called Coming Home. <laughs> and it's about a war veteran. He comes home and he's a paraplegic. And he um, he gets involved with this woman who has never had an orgasm. And there's a sex scene where they have oral sex. And he makes her come for the first time. And it just blew my mind. It was like, oh my, it just went, it was lengthy and slow and it was oral it was you know and it was a man who's who is compromised in that area but he was still having sex with this woman and the orgasm was um it it was she was carefully and lovingly attended to and that was just like such a um stereotype breaker for me it it definitely changed things Hazel, can you think of a of a bad one that stood out in your mind? Yeah, so I mentioned um, the sex scene in uh, the fantastic film Showgirls, <laughs> um, where Kyle MacLachlan's character is having sex in a pool with what? What's the actress's name? Do you know her? Elizabeth name? Sh- Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just—it's Rachel and I were talking about how pool sex d- doesn't is not that comfortable or doesn't look it's that comfortable. Horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's holding her body in a very bizarre angle and just sort of like um, jackhammering her. Um, And so that was a really bad one that stood out in my mind. And then a good one that stood out in my mind was also an oral sex scene um, in the movie Blue Valentine uh, with Mm. Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. And um, yeah, that's just like a very like tender... Like, I think they're they're talking in it. Not They're not talking a lot, but they're communicating and... um, just sort of like a slow, realistic uh, sex scene where she does have an orgasm and it's all sort of about her pleasure and not like, 
porny depictions on right. screen. But of course, that's why it almost got the. Oh, yeah. The, and that's why that film got an NC-17 rating because of that sex scene, because it was so realistic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because a woman was experiencing pleasure. Crazy stuff. Right. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> One that sticks out to me. Have you guys seen the movie Bound? No. no. It's a it's a movie from, I think, like the late 80s. And it's, it's Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon. And she's like, Gina Gershon is like this, like handy woman, <laughs> ex-con, who um, gets involved with Jennifer Tilly, who has this like abusive mob boyfriend, and they have this amazing sex scene that's just like extremely right, like very realistic. I think, I think Jennifer Tilly is on top of Gina Gershon, like fingering her to orgasm, and it's just it's very like it's not gross and it's not like pervy, like male gazy. It doesn't it doesn't delve into the blue as the warmest color, like sort of weirdness um and it always stuck out to me as just like extremely honest uh and i i always loved that one but again it was like really hard to think of a really good example <laughs> what do you guys think makes a good sex scene like so hazel and i were also talking to about so like in love and basketball for example um it's it's a heterosexual couple having sex for the first time and she she experiences pain it's sanal lathan and she you can see pain on her face it's not like comfortable for her I mean, is that a good sex scene? Because to me, I was like, okay, like maybe a little bit of awkwardness helps. What do you think, Sybil? I mean, I think that's a that's an informative sex scene. It depends on what you're going for. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're going for like sexy sex scene, that that's interesting, yeah. But it still is kind of sexy. Right. I think. Yeah. Even though... Yeah, I think something that – I think good sex scenes are uh, – tend to skew realistic for me. Like when people are talking about what they like in it, I feel like in movies and TV, like the emphasis is on like heavy breathing and musical cues and like right. people tearing their clothes off. And it's there isn't a moment where it's like, actually, I want to do this or I don't like this. And I don't know. I, I see why movies uh, have that Hollywood problem because it's just easier. Like you just don't right. have to deal with, you know, people actually communicating with one another and right. you can just like throw a song over it. That's <laughs> right. That's really yeah. true. And it's very rare to have that kind of discussion happening. And that's one of the things that we're actually really interested in at OMGS right now is um, how people talk to each other, the communication. What um, do people ever do? Explicit sessions where they actually try something out and um, which doesn't sound very sexy, but it's very intimate when you talk to women who are who are doing this kind of thing with their partners. They're, um, you know, exploring, like setting aside time to explore a specific thing. It's very dear. It's very intimate and loving. Do you guys feel like sex in movies and in TV has gotten more realistic, less realistic? I mean, now that we're entering the Trump administration, I'm just curious, like, <laughs> how, you know, how it's all going to change pop culture-wise. I can't, to me, it does, I can't really tell if things have gotten better or worse in terms of depicting women's pleasure. Huh. I think it just sort of depends, like, I feel like it's gotten better maybe because my my pool has widened in terms of looking, the movies I'm watching. Mm. What do you think, Sybil? That's true. I think that, um, I, I tend to see offbeat movies. So in my experience, it's gotten better because there's a lot of sort of indie films that are doing much more interesting things. Yeah, I think it's gotten better. Uh, maybe I'm thinking more about TV 
than movies. I, I feel like shows like Looking and Girls are, are definitely depict a wide spectrum of sexuality. Mm-hmm. I think about the Broad City episode where Abby pegs her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't typically see that on TV. <laughs> so I feel like it's gotten uh, it's gotten better. But yeah, I agree that in mainstream Hollywood, it, it, there's probably a lot more work that needs to be done. Right. How damaging do you think it really is for women growing up, you know, watching movies where they, they aren't given actual the actual attention that they would need to have an orgasm? Well, I think about this all the time. I mean, this is part of my my optimism about OMGS and our impact on the world. I have two girls, and they're growing up right now. Um, and I think it is like what they get to look at is there's such a there's so much on the internet that they have access to um, or will have access to that um, I think it's it's both wonderful and scary, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I think it will definitely it definitely has an impact and and what that selection is and who your friends are who are telling you what to watch is gonna really um, affect your psyche, definitely. I'm curious what age you would say would you feel comfortable letting your daughters go on OMG yes or what age is, is appropriate? That is a really good question. So I um I think because they are so inundated with other stuff, they don't. There are no filters. They can watch hardcore child porn- pornography if they want to. Right? They have access, um, not necessarily in our household, but somewhere, and they're watching it. Don't. I mean, don't fool yourselves. They are watching it. So I think now, like, I there. Um, my youngest daughter is 15, and I I showed her the site. She wasn't that interested. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know which it is, um, we are really only accessible to 18 and up. Um, mm. But uh, um, I think that actually if, if the world were just – we would be something that they would see before they saw the porn that they are definitely seeing. <laughs> right. We were talking about that, too, but obviously there's, like, legal implications right, exactly. involved with that. But it does seem like something that teen girls could really benefit from, so it's unfortunate. Right, yeah. right. And, I, you know, it, it, it will be interesting to see if, there, if um, we can develop something for – a younger crowd that has still the frank conversations, but maybe not as much as the of the explicit content. I wish my sex ed had been like this. I know. <laughs> they don't yeah. teach anything. They don't. <laughs> They're like tampons. Right. Don't get pregnant. It. Yeah, don't get pregnant. <laughs> That's it. STDs. That's it. Yep. Thanks so much to my co-host, Hazel Sills. Thank you. And thank you, Sybil, so much for being here. This was so great and very informative. Thank you. And uh, if anybody wants to enjoy the wonderful resource that OMGS is, just go to omgyes.com, and you can have 12 episodes of OMGS for $29. And then look forward to another 12 episodes as soon as we can roll them out. (laughs) Awesome. We'll be looking. We'll be looking for them. 
So make sure that you call and leave us a lady problem. We're always here to answer any of your questions. We're available at 205-677-5239. That's 205-677-LADY. You can also tweet us at at LadyProblemsPod. And if you like this episode, please be sure to give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps people find us and it makes us feel better about ourselves. I'm Rachel Handler. That was Lady Problems, and we'll see you guys next week. This episode of Lady Problems was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. 